Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make your business official with Google and Squarespace. When you create a custom domain and a beautiful business website with Squarespace, you'll receive a free year of business email and professional tools from Google. It's the simplest way to look professional online. Visit squarespace.com slash Google to start your free trial. Use the offer code WORK for an additional 10% off your first purchase. Google and Squarespace. Make it professional. Make it beautiful. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry. Uh, and this is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. There are one, two, three of us. Oh, you just took a census, huh? <laughs> you like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I thought this was much more interesting than I thought it would be. It wouldn't take much. I would guess most people's expectations of the census is that it's awfully boring. It's not at all. I don't know about the at all part, but yes, there are plenty of interesting factors to it that keep it from being awfully boring. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's... Uh, it doesn't get you jazzed? It's not exciting. But it's interesting to me. I'm sure it's exciting to some people. Yeah. People uh, in demography. Yeah. Uh, statistical wonks. Mm-hmm. Stat wonks. Right. As we call them. Stonks. Oh, man. Just keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. There are plenty of people who find the census amazingly interesting, and that's who this is for. That's right. We got 2020 coming up, by the way, which... Just the name of it makes it an exciting census. The 2020 census? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I should say, we're talking about the American census. There's censuses everywhere. Um, yeah. It's not like every country does a census all, you know, on a, a set schedule, but it's pretty common actually, especially in westernized developed countries to do a census every 10 years where you literally go out and one form or another, count every single person living in your country. Yeah, I got a, a couple of facts about other countries, but this is largely about the U.S. census. Okay. You know? And the, in the U.S., we do our census uh, every 10 years on years ending in zero. That's right. I, I was like, I wonder if everybody does it like that. And again, it's kind of hit or miss with other countries, but I saw in the U.K., they do it uh, every 10 years in years ending in one. Really? I was like, that is so foreign maybe they want to see what mistakes we make <laughs> actually probably not because as we'll see the census starts cranking up a, a full year before they even start taking names yeah and actually something else that surprised me about the uk us census comparison we started long before they did our modern census started before the uk's modern census by oh, several decades 
I wonder if they were just like, you know. Oh, that's a bloody good idea. Well, or I wonder if they just weren't concerned. They just looked around and said, there's, there's lots of us. And that was good enough. <laughs> enough to rule the world. Sure. <laughs> Uh, all right. So every 10 years, like you said, is the Commerce Department, uh, the Census Bureau. Here in the U.S. Here in the U.S. <laughs> oh, boy. Are we going to say that every time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is in the U.S. Constitution. goes all the way back to 1790, back when there were less than 4 million people. Um, 4 million, you know, back then they didn't count uh, slaves. They didn't count Native Americans. Uh, I think they did count slaves in the first one. No, no, no. I'm saying the 4 million people. Oh, okay. Was gotcha. not counting uh, those people. Are you sure? Well, that's what it says. Okay. But they, I'm not saying they didn't count them in the census. I got you. Okay. Um, it, sadly, what that probably means is they were not considered people. So there's a whole Federalist paper about this. There's something very famously called the Three-Fifths Compromise. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I've heard of that, yeah. Where um, the southern states were like, hey, you got to count the slaves. And the northern states were like, uh, you guys treat slaves like property. So no, we're not going to count them in the census. And there was this deal struck called the three-fifths compromise where, um, slaves would be counted as three-fifths of a person. Wow. Right? Um, and the whole reason was that the southern states didn't want to be overwhelmed by the larger, more populated northern states that weren't big on slavery. Right. Because ultimately, as far as it goes in the United States, when you are conducting the census, you're trying to figure out how many representative seats in the House of Representatives each state gets. And it's done by population. Yeah. And as you'll see, there are many, 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 many other things that the census helps with these days. But the original two things uh, that the census was supposed to do was um, to see who was fit for the military and available and to count people to see how many representatives you got. Right. Those are the two biggies. Right. Well, let's talk about the the first census. Okay. Well, first of all, there were censuses in the Bible. The census is right? I think yes. Since I? <laughs> no. No, that's a that's a karate instructor. Sensopod? <laughs> uh there were censuses in the Bible, um, all over the Bible. Um I remember reading about them when I was a little kid. Yeah, you knew all about censuses, didn't you? But um I did. The first there's a little debate on the very first censuses in the North American continent, on the North American continent. Yeah. Uh, 1576, some claim Spanish King Philip the two, the two? Mm-hmm, the sequel. <laughs> I just made that up. Spanish the King deuce. Philip two, electric boogaloo, <laughs> the deuce, the deuce. Uh-huh. Uh, that he wanted information about the colonies and uh, I think sent American, Native American Indians through what is Mexico now with questions. Right. He hadn't thought it through very well, though. No. He sent them with these questionnaires. In Spanish, I imagine. Uh huh. But the American Indians that he sent down there didn't speak Spanish. Correct. That they, they apparently were not ones to quit or give up whenever they faced a hardship because they just created their own system of hieroglyphics to depict what goods each town, um, produced that would be taxed by the king of Spain. That's awesome. It is awesome. They even drew maps, their own maps, to point out where each town was. Right. They had no training whatsoever in cartography, and they didn't speak Spanish, and yet they managed to come up with this apparently beautifully illustrated census that they delivered to King Philip II. That's uh, in, uh, in the Texas State Archives, I believe, today. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I have to say... 
this um, our article cites an article from the Prescott Evening Courier newspaper, uh-huh. and it's from 1950. This article is, uh-huh. and it's pretty interesting. But if you scroll down on the same page, there's another little article. The headline is "Agencies Asked to Rid Offices of Sex Perverts." <laughs> from 1950. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what apparently you had to there was do. A, there's a sex pervert purge in 1950 of well, government agents. I wonder what you have to do in 1950 to be considered a sex pervert. I read and it just said proof of sex perversion. So who knows? Being gay, um, yeah. being a peeping tom, uh, or it could mean anything you... but sexually assaulting a woman. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you're a sex pervert. Um, that's pretty funny. I mean, not funny, but you know, interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, other people say the first North American census was uh, in Canada, back then, New France, by Jean Talon, uh, for the King of France. And Talon actually went around to all the houses over the winter of 65, 66, counted all 3,215 people mm-hmm. of European descent. Uh, and then others say, no, we're going to officially say the U.S. census was the first real census. <laughs> right. Even because though I don't believe it. First one, the real first one was in Mexico. The second first one was in Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the real first one took place in the United States. Uh, hundreds like, of years later. Yeah. 1790, George Washington signed it into law. And in the Constitution, it's actually just, um, quote, enumeration of inhabitants, end quote. But um, as, as you'll see as we go on, there are many, many more questions and things. We can glean now, yeah, well, other than just the number of people. And now they're starting to get a little more back to basics. Oh, well, yeah. In the 2000 census, there was a, a long-form one that had like 52 questions. Forget it. Yeah, most people are like, I'm not answering this. <laughs> I think that was probably why they changed it. Yeah, in 2010, they came up with a short-form one that was sent to everybody, and it was 10 questions. Yeah, and as we'll see... Literally three of those questions were how many people are in your house. Yeah, the first three <laughs> questions asked different ways. Yeah, because they're like, this is really the one. Right. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, 650 U.S. Marshals went in 19, I'm sorry, 1790 for that first census, got on their horses unannounced and went house to house all over the nation with their quill pens, scraps of paper, literally counting heads. Mm-hmm. Um, cost about 45 grand. The 2010 census, this surprised me, though it shouldn't have, $13 billion. And I thought, no, that's million. But it's billion. Yeah, and it was actually, that was less than they expected it would cost. Yeah, they came in under budget by $1.6 billion. Which is pretty good. I hope whoever was responsible for that made a name for themselves. And a big fat bonus. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) In the form of like a, a... a $50 gift bond right. <laughs> from the U.S. Treasury. A long bond. Uh, and by the way, Chuck, I was like, okay, well, $45,000 in 1790 obviously was probably equal to $13 billion. Nope. Not even it? close. So West Egg Inflation Calculator sure. doesn't go far enough back to 1790, but it does go to 1800 So in $1,800, that 45000 would be 632500 today. Oh, wow. So they were efficient on those sure. horses. Yeah. The scraps of paper and yeah, and the horses and quill pens, that's it. Some hardtack, chewing tobacco, mm-hmm. maybe a pot of beans. Maybe. <laughs> You're starting to get a little extravagant. Uh, that first census um, were the original 13 states plus districts of Maine, Vermont, Kentucky, and Tennessee, which was the Southwest Territory at the time. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Southwest. <laughs> 
Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, and these were, I imagine in order, the things that you had to uh, name on that census. Uh, name of the head of the household, number of free white males over 16, uh, number of free white males under 16, mm-hmm. number of free white females, number of other free persons, and then the number of slaves. And then the number of sex perverts. <laughs> right. That was the very first one. Uh, we'll take a little break and come back and speed all the way up to 1880 right after this. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, it's 1880. Yeah, isn't that where Back to the Future 3 was set? Mm, Was it? It was somewhere in there. We're living in Deadwood. Mm. Did you watch that? I started to and I was like, I don't have time for this. Oh, man. Oh, shout out to the great Tim Omenson. He's an actor on Deadwood, mm. and he's a Stuff You Should Know listener. Oh, yeah? Yeah, met him at PodFest. Nice. He was on JV Club uh, with me, uh-huh. and he's great. He's like a real listener. Nice. And shout out to Kevin Pollack. Yeah, who's another Stuff You Should Know listener we met at PodFest. He bum-rushed our stage during the middle of our podcast, <laughs> yeah, right. which was very surprising. Yeah, that'll eventually be out, right? That's right. <laughs> It was weird. It was like Kevin Pollack just came up on stage. <laughs> it's kind of surreal. He was very sweet after. He was like, yeah, man, I really am a fan, guys. Like, cool dude. Enough to come and watch you. And he brought along Wayne Fetterman, a great writer and comic, mm-hmm. who also is a listener. I didn't get to meet him. Yeah, I talked to him afterward about the Beatles. And, uh, well, obviously. He had met our shows coming out on Monty Python, and he had met Eric Idle the day before our podcast. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, the universe was circling him. He was the drain. That's right. So Kevin Pollack and his fiance, uh, hello. Wayne Fetterman, howdy. Uh-huh. And Tim Omenson, good day, sir. Nice. And uh, Tim, by the way, is on that show Gallivant, which uh, is no longer around, but you can catch on Netflix. It's this great um, medieval musical 
show Sweet. that like a network was actually brave enough to make. Yeah. It was like, really cool. It was cop rock, but set in medieval <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, but good. Right. Well, cop rock wasn't good. I didn't see it. I, I just, didn't either. Oh, okay. I, I was under the impression that it was the same thing, that it was like, um, this is a musical cop procedural. What is this doing on television? Get yeah, it probably. off. It had nothing to do with whether it was good or not. It was just too weird. Yeah. You know? Anyway, thanks to those people and all the non-celebrities who came. Sure. Everybody who came. Yeah. We don't want to just. You don't have to have out. a big name for us to be appreciative that you came and saw our stinky, stupid episode. Of course not. <laughs> all right. So I picked up in 1880. Deadwood is what sidetracked me. And uh, that's when. They actually started using trained workers to work in the census. Right, not just federal marshals with their pots of beans. Yeah. Uh, and then about 10 years later, they actually had the first machine to help them count their information, which was primitive but useful. Dude, it was a computer. Yeah. The U.S. Census Bureau has this unsung history of basically being the first to use computers, right? Yes. So they had this machine that they built. Uh, I didn't see a name for it, but basically it was a tabulating machine. So starting in the 1890 census, the census takers, who again, like you said, were now trained individuals, yep. they were trained to punch a hole into the response, right? Yeah. How many people under the age of 16 in this house? Four? They'd punch a hole wherever the four was, uh-huh. right? Hanging chads. Pretty much. Yeah. That's why you wanted to make sure the hole punched all the way through so you wouldn't have a hanging chad. That's right. Um, and... When they turned in these cards, they could feed them in, into this tabulator that would make note of which hole was punched and, yeah. and store this information. It was a computer that the Census Bureau was using in 1890. Yeah, it was a steampunk computer. Pretty much, yeah. It was <laughs> operated by Will Smith. Um, <laughs> was that Wild Wild West? Yeah. Oh, boy. What a stinker. Did you see the, the TV show that it was based on, though, back in the day? Yeah. That was great. Yeah. What an imaginative TV show that was. Agreed. Uh, so they used the real computers. Um, starting in 1950, the Census Bureau ordered one called the Univac. It's one of those things that's huge and takes up a room. There's many machines working as one. Right. Uh, like the Whopper. Uh, and then in 2010, they <laughs> finally introduced GPS uh, devices. And I was... Kind of didn't really understand why until I read the next three sentences. <laughs> I stopped for a second. You're like, like that's a weird huh. thing to say. Uh, but there were mistakes. Up to five percent of people counted when census takers were doing this all by hand with paper maps mm-hmm. would assign people five percent of people to the wrong congressional district accidentally. Did I say purposely? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that they were cleared yeah. of any wrongdoing. <laughs> that's right. It was all a mistake. Uh, and now with these <laughs> GPS coordinating uh, devices, they have a 0. .05 error rate, which is foreign. a lot better than 5.0. Yes, very much. Um, yeah. So gerrymandering will be that much more difficult, we hope. Which we need to do an episode I was just, just on just about to say that for sure. And we should also say, since we're talking about our episodes, if if you love this stuff, go listen to our population episode uh-huh. where we talked a lot about census taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our maps episode will yeah. really get your engine revving. Yeah, for real. If you're a GIS geek. Right, or a uh, stonk. Right, or a st- <laughs> So the Bureau works with the National Processing Center, uh, and they have a, you know, it's not just like, let me take this form and look at it and write it down. Like, it's very automated these days, and um, pretty advanced what they do. 
to ensure its accuracy. Well, at the very least, thorough. Yeah. Like they take a picture of every single finished questionnaire. Yeah. So there's an image file of every single one. Okay. I'd say that, well, that's not advanced, but that's inching toward advanced. <laughs> They're like, hold still, please. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they have um, a Scantron computer, uh-huh. basically. It's like that 1890 computer, but a little more advanced, but it does the same thing. Yeah, optical right. mark recognition. Right. So like you fill in the bubble. Yep. Boom. This computer's on top of it. A little more advanced? Yeah, but it's the same principle. Yeah, but then it gets super advanced. ICR. Yeah. Uh, intelligent character recognition. And isn't that just, I mean, that's something that reads people's handwriting? Right. And remember we did our another episode, the USPS one on the post office? Yep. It was a great episode. Especially those of you who hear our stamps.com ads and think we hate the post office, go listen to our USPS episode, which is basically an homage to the post office. Yeah, brought to you by stamps.com. <laughs> so um, the, they use the same thing for mail, right? They have computers that can read people's handwriting. Oh, that's right. And then there's a uh, there's a secondary process to where with the computers like, I don't know what this is, there's a human that gets a, a little, like, a picture of it, and they type in what it is. That's right. Yeah. And then they have a QA department to finish it all out. Yeah. that's. Uh, I think they do, like, 100% of any kind of um, of any kind of uh, human data stuff. They uh-huh. go back and double-check. That's right. Uh, until 1960, the census was pretty much a door-to-door affair. This is so dumb. And that, what, that it was door-to-door? Yes. There's too many people by this time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We're talking tens, hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. But then they decided, all right, here's what we should do. Let's mail these out to people, have them fill it out, send it back, and we will just have to count who uh, the chucks of the world who do not fill it out and send it back. Oh, yeah. You don't fill it out, huh? I didn't fill it out. Um, Not on purpose. It just got away from me. You know, Chuck, you just confessed to a federal crime. I know, right? Seriously. Yeah, it's technically against the law. 180 million people in 1960. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. To count them all. Uh, yeah, I, I did not fill it out. I think you should now. Well, I'm going, I'm, I will for 2020. No, you have to do it for, for 2010 too. No, they found me. They came to my home. Oh, oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, I just didn't fill it out and send it in. Um, you didn't chase them away with a crossbow? <laughs> well, should we talk about that? No, no, I'm getting ahead of us. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, Boy, that's a good tease, though. People like to just say crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> we did an episode on crossbows, too. Yeah, that one wasn't very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was fine. It was thin. Yeah. It was a long time ago, though. They were thinner then. It was better than jackhammers. Oh, gosh. We should have an episode where we just talk about all our stinkers. That's pretty much every episode. So um, 74% in the 2010 census returned those census forms. So not bad. And the remaining uh, 26% of people had to be counted by the 1.4 million workers uh, that are broken down into four categories. Right. There was like of that 1.4 million, like almost 600,000 of them were the people who actually went out onto the streets yeah. and said, hey, you didn't send in your form. What's your problem? <laughs> Don't you love America? They're called enumerators. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are also administrators who uh, basically manage the, the, the divisions. Uh, statisticians, 
They check their math and the demographers, like you were talking about, yeah. who totally wonk out on all those numbers. Yeah, they're the ones who take these numbers. Because think about it. We're talking about 10 questions, <clears throat> the first three of which are how many people live in your house, right? Yeah. Um, and these guys can basically suss um, some pretty interesting information from just information like that. Yeah. They can they can predict the future. They can call the uh, lotto numbers. They can do all sorts. If you have a neighbor that's a demographer, you want to make friends with them. Yes, that's right. Because they can make you very wealthy. Uh, Josh, why would you take part in a census? Why is it a big deal? Well, again, first of all, to not take part is breaking the law, Chuck. But aside from that, Um, the big picture. There's actually a, a lot that's done with the census. So, yes, it's figuring out who, uh, which states get how many seats in the House of Representatives. Correct. Um, it's also figuring out where people live. They're mm-hmm. double-checking that their address is on file. They have a national database of all the addresses in the United States, every single address. Yeah. And they're going back and double-checking all of them as part of the census. Yep. But ultimately, they're figuring out what to do with about $400 billion in state aid state and local aid that the federal government distributes every year. Yeah. So every every census equals about $4 trillion worth of aid um, and how it's going to be allocated. That's what the census figures are used for in part. Yeah. So if you're like, well, I don't want to take that stupid thing, but I like my roads to be serviced and I like to have that fire station nearby and I want to make sure there's a good school that can house all the students that live here. Right. And I want there to be a senior center for mom and dad. Yeah. And boy, it'd be nice if there was a public library kind of closer to me. Right. And would it kill you to put in a Hardee's? <laughs> <laughs> kind of true, though. Sure. Because private, the private sector uses census numbers right. to determine where to open the Hardee's. Right. But just Hardee's. Yeah. <laughs> No, but maybe where to open up a, a factory plant or something. Sure, yeah. I mean, there are many, many, many things that uh, the census will satisfy that will help you out to make sure that you have everything around you that you need to, for a, a healthy community. Right. Plus, that um, those maps, again, are really important because usually 9-11 emergency services use census maps to to basically move around the area. Uh, and if you're worried about your privacy, um, it is held private for 72 years, this information. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, whatever, census takers are blabbermouths. Actually, they are sworn to protect your privacy. Yep. That's part of their job. No matter what. Like, this is anonymous, right? Um, and... Secondly, well, I shouldn't say it's anonymous. It's sealed. This information is sealed. It's between you and the census taker. Right. Um, and then uh, secondly, they face a really stiff penalty if they do share your information with anybody, whether it's um, their best friend, they're LOLing about your stupid answers. Yeah. Um, or with, like, say, any sort of welfare services or law enforcement, I believe. They're not allowed to share oh, yeah. any information like with anybody. Like the cops can't can't use the census to track people down. Right. The military can't use it. Uh, what The IRS can't use it. Immigration yeah. can't use it. Yeah. So it's a five-year prison penalty and 250 grand. So it's pretty serious business. Yeah, if they break that that um, 
confidence. Yeah, and they figure 72 years, it seemed like a weird number to me, but... uh it is a weird number. I guess they were like, you know, if you get counted in a census, then by the time 72 years later rolls around, you might be dead or you don't care. It probably has some sort of Freemasonic numerological <laughs> uh, substance to it, you know? Yeah, I could see that. But what's neat about it, though, Chuck, if you ever need to prove your age or where you lived or anything like that, mm-hmm. you can write the Census Bureau and be like, I know this is under wraps for 72 years, but I need... Proof that I'm saying I am who I am. Right. Please provide me with a sheet. And yeah. the Census Bureau provides a letter on your behalf saying this person lived at this place at this time. Our guy counted him. Pretty cool. Yeah. Should we take a break? Let's, Chuck. All right. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about how this whole thing actually works. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Chuck, I want to go on record also as saying, when I say guys, I'm using it in a completely gender-neutral sense. Yeah, we say guys a lot. Some people don't like that. I know. I mean it gender-neutrally. I know. But the same people who don't like that also don't like the fact that you're using it (laughs) gender-neutrally. You know? Hmm. Hmm. I see what you mean. But uh, let's get back to censusing. Oh, okay. Um, In 2010, like I said earlier, they started hiring people. The work begins on the census a couple of years beforehand. Right. That's the easiest way to say it. Start recruiting people to work. Um, About January 25th of the census year is when they start actually counting people in Alaska. Yeah, and that's where the census starts. For a while. Since since 1990, I think you said? Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense. Why? Oh, because the about the time that the census really gets started, the um, rural Alaska experiences the spring thaw or the breakup, and travel becomes very tough. Yeah. And 
everybody leaves home to go do other stuff because they've been cooped up in their their house the whole winter. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, it was a very sensible reason. I thought it was just some like cool old tradition. No, it's pretty new, actually. Yeah, exactly. So they start in Alaska. They actually count people there. Then in Feb, that's just sort of a let's get Alaska taken care of, right? And then we can move on to other things. Yep. So uh, in February, they send forms in advance to rural areas where these forms have to be delivered uh, by hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in March, you're gonna the other folks receive a letter saying, "Since this is coming, get excited." Pretty much. Yeah. And they just have to sit around and wait for the census letter to come after that. Yeah, but what you do is with that up uh, that census is coming letter, it gives you the option of how you want what language you want to get your census in. Right. Uh which is Spanish, uh, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, and Russian mm-hmm. or a Spanish English edition. Spanglish. Yeah. And then in mid March the the actual forms are mailed. There's 120 million residences in the U.S. Yeah, and you know one thing that really stood out to me when I was reading this, as we'll get into this stuff here in a second, is how many different ways there are to live in the United States. Yeah, yeah. There's a um, there's places a, maybe right. There's a thing called the residence rule. Yeah. That the Census Bureau had to come to terms with, and apparently every census they have like a public hearing on the residence rule and if it needs to change or include other stuff. But it basically says where you spend most of your time sleeping, where you sleep the most, is considered your residence as far as the census goes. Yeah. Even if you have another permanent residence, if you are sleeping under an overpass, Uh that overpass counts as your residence during the census. Yeah, and I just thought, mm-hmm. okay, you go to the houses, you go to the apartments and the condos, mm-hmm. and like, what else is there? Like Plenty. a big dummy. Overpasses? I mean, there's dormitories. Dormitories. Like where college students live? Yeah. Yeah, they get counted there. There are homes for senior living, assisted living homes. Yes. There are prisons. Yeah, they get counted there. There are, you might live in a boat at a marina. Counted there. You might live on an aircraft ca- uh, carrier. Counted there. Um, what else? Shelters? Trailer parks? Yeah, so um, one of the things that the Census Bureau has gotten kind of good at is making contact with local social service agencies, yeah. local nonprofit organizations, and saying, where do your um, like transient populations, like, say, migrant workers, um, undocumented immigrants, yeah. homeless people, where do they live? Um can you take us to them so we can count them? Because, yeah. again, they're trying to count every single person who lives in the United States, whether they are here legally or illegally, um, w- whether they live in a car or whether they live in a mansion. They're trying to count every single person. Yeah. And some of it's super easy. Again, they send 120 million um, census forms out to the residences. Yeah. That's the easy part. Right. The hard part is going and finding people who have these non-traditional residences. Hotels, people who live in, in weekly hotels. Yeah. They've got to count them. And one of the confounding factors of the whole thing, Chuck, is let's say your, your, your son is away in college or prison, right? You're probably going to be tempted to say, well, he's going to be back eventually. This is his home. This right. is his permanent address. The Census Bureau constantly has to fight with that and be like, no, 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 like, 
Like, don't count them. They live in prison or they live in college. And they'll be home from. in three to five years. Right. Which could be college or prison. Sure, right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, a lot of people that fill out these forms uh, don't speak uh, English, like, enough to fill out the form. And they may not even know to ask for the bilingual form. Mm-hmm. So they actually have um, online guides in 59 languages, telephone assistance in six languages, right. And 33,000 in-person assistance centers across the U.S. Right. That are staffed. And I think very wisely the Census Bureau realized that a lot of those households where the um, heads of household don't speak or write or read English very well may have kids who do speak English and read and write English very well. Sure. And could actually help their parents with this. So they started in 2010 especially a big push to the schools yeah. to, to get kids like jazzed about the census and <laughs> yeah. basically teach them how to talk to their parents about it and how to fill out these forms with their parents. Yeah, they send them a little kit, a little fun kit. Uh-huh. Complete with like, you know, coloring color the and... Color the briefcase. <laughs> kind of. Right. Uh, so back to the year, uh, how the year shakes out. Uh, completed forms are due by April 1st of the year. And uh, May through July, they are coming the streets, looking for those people who didn't fill out the forms, and looking for the people, like you said, in all these uh, non-traditional uh, homes, mm-hmm. I guess we'll call them, um, or if they don't have homes, just non-traditional places where people dwell. Right. Uh, and then July through December, they are analyzing all that data, and by December 31st, uh, they are required by law to report the new um, apportionment numbers to uh, the president for the congressional seats. Right. And then they have till April the following year for all the data collection to be sussed out. Right. So it's a long, you know, it's a years long process. Yep. I guess, what is that? Nine, two and a half or three years to complete a census. Yeah, that's just the actual census. Then there's also yeah. the, the work of, I guess, uh, with every census, you're also putting the last census that was 72 years old. Yeah. Up on the internet now. Right. Or it used to be on microfilm. Now it's up on the internet. So the Census Bureau is always, always work, working. Always working, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we forgot one group of people that really cracked me up. Who? Carnies. Yeah. They mentioned carnies in here. Yep. Got to count them. Yeah. Traveling. Got to catch up with them first. Yeah. I, I imagine carnies probably aren't census friendly. You never know. I'm sure it depends on the carny. Can't pigeonhole them. <laughs> You're right. Even if you're a pigeon. It's a longstanding motto here. Don't pigeonhole the carny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt. So um, on the actual form, like you said, it's gotten a lot shorter these days. And we kind of joked a few times about the fact that the first three <laughs> questions are who's living there. Mm-hmm. But um, here's how it breaks down is how many people live in the household? Mm-hmm. Question number two, were there any additional people staying here on April 1st that you did not include in question one. And finally, question number three says, just name everyone in the household. <laughs> yeah. So you really want to make sure they get that correct. Yeah. Uh, you're also going to have to fill out things about your uh, your gender, your age, your race, uh, what kind of Hispanic origin, perhaps, uh, your relationship to the head of the household. Uh, the uh, actually Alaskan uh, native tribes are not very happy right now because apparently in the 2020 census, they will be asked, um, 
are you a member of a, an Alaskan native tribe? Yeah. If so, what tribe? And they're like, what, what business of this is yours? You know, they're not very happy about this whole thing. And it's, that was the <laughs> newest thing I heard about the 2020 census is going on right now. Well, you got to roll with the times. Um, in 2000, they started allowing more than one race to be selected. And that got me thinking about gender identity mm-hmm. and if the U.S. was going to do anything like that. Yeah, in like 60 years, probably. I haven't seen anything for this next one in 2020, but I did see that Australia and the United States, or I'm sorry, Australia and uh, and the U.K. have both planned to include uh, gender identity options Is that right? in the next census. Wow. So a little bit ahead of the curve yeah, from the U.S. For real. No surprise. Uh, and Australia actually is... People are mad there this year because apparently previous to this, um, they're, they're doing their census right now, I think, in 2016. And uh, prior to this one, you didn't ha- all the connecting information was optional, identifying information. Like you didn't have to put things like, I guess it's just different than the U.S., like uh, your address and stuff like that. You didn't have to connect. I think they were literally just counting people. Mm-hmm. And uh, before Christmas last year, they sent out a... Uh, press release saying that it's no longer optional. All this information, identifying information, is going to be collected and stored in perpetuity, including things like your name, where you live, how much money you make, and stuff like that. And a lot of people got really ticked off. Sure. And they said that's leading to, or they predicted it would lead to a lot of people just lying and giving a bunch of garbage data. And that's supposed to be on the census? Yeah. I thought they were starting to move more toward the model of... um Including questions like that on the American Community Survey. Well, this is Australia, so. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think the way I read it was that previous to this year, it was just kind of counting heads. Gotcha. Yeah, that's all, could, that's very invasive. Yeah, you could optionally fill that stuff in, but now they're they're saying you have to. You have to. So who knows? And then we kind of teased earlier about people about a crossbow. <laughs> yeah, there's a competing theories on. What kind of job census taker is, right? Yeah. Some people say it's a great job. It's uh, very flexible. Uh-huh. Um, it pays in some places like $12 plus an hour. You get to write off the mileage you put on your car. Sure. Great job. Out on the streets, fresh air. Sure. Other people say it's an extremely dangerous job. Yeah. And one that the Census Bureau tends to downplay, despite the fact that there are like hundreds of incidents of... Um, Census takers being threatened or attacked, uh, just doing their job. Senseless census violence. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the crossbow guy in particular is a guy in Marion, Ohio, who had like a no trespassing sign posted on his property. Yeah. And a and, picture of a crossbow. <laughs> right. If you're a census taker, that's meaning that, that legally that doesn't have anything to do with you. Right. You are basically a deputized federal agent carrying out your, your business. Yeah. And you are allowed to walk up on somebody's property, even if they have no trespassing signs posted. Well, the guy in Marion, Ohio, um, said, hey, I would like you guys to leave. By the way, I have a machine gun here. <laughs> and uh, they started to leave, and he wanted, I guess, to make sure that they did leave. So he escorted them down his driveway, holding his crossbow. Not necessarily in any kind of threatening manner. Just holding it. But just holding it. Yeah. And apparently no charges were pressed against the guy. I guess he did everything right. But there's apparently, <laughs> I was reading this article in the Seattle Times. Right? I wonder if they were just like, oh, we'll just put you down for one. 
Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. He's like, don't do that either. Yeah, because I guarantee that guy lives alone. Um, this, uh, this article from 2010 in the Seattle Times, census workers didn't count on such an angry reception. And I'm sure this makes it sound way worse than it is. Well, they said most people were great. Right. But, um, but this is a, a collection of all the worst horror stories, which yeah. makes it an interesting article. Plus, 2010 wasn't, it all depends on the year. Right. It some, wasn't a great time. Like, people weren't loving the government no. in 2010. Some people directly cited that they didn't want to help Obama out, so they weren't <laughs> going to do the census. Oh, boy. Um, one, like, people were attacked by dogs. One person was attacked with a baseball bat. Wow. Another census taker had a patio table thrown at her by a, an irate woman. Um, there was, uh, just a lot of incidents like that. I and it was remember. mostly anti-government, right? Yes. People yelling out, you know, get out of my face with the government stuff. Right. And, and some, some people didn't make any threats, but yeah, they were really incensed that the government was asking anything about them like yeah. that. And, um, the census workers were like, this is crazy. Like, people are really mad out there. They came back with like news of the real temperament yeah. of a lot of Americans and it was angry. Wow. Some of them quit. They're like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm risking my life for what? The census? Who cares? Um, it's an interesting article. It gives you like a different yeah. perspective of it than that. Yeah, we're going to allocate right. money to government <laughs> services. Well, I'm sure by 2020, everyone in the United States will love the government. Sure, sure. <laughs> Regardless of who wins the 2016 election. That's right. Yeah. You got anything else? Nothing. Sweet. Well, if you want to know more about Sensei, <laughs> you can type census into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said census, sen- whoa, mm-hmm. since I said census, yeah. it's time for listener mail. All right. I'm going to call this, uh, we helped uh, with anxiety. Good. Hey, guys. I want to write and say how much you have impacted my life. My name is Jared. I'm a graphic designer in Birmingham, Alabama, and grew up in Kennesaw, Georgia. Wow. Grew up in the Saw. Sure. Um, His family had to own a gun by law. Yeah, I remember that. Is that still in the books there? I'm sure. I wonder if Jared was at our show in Birmingham. That ended up being, despite the smallest show we did, one of my most pleasurable shows. <laughs> well put. Pleasured? Uh-huh. That was great. That little theater was awesome. It was. Uh, the Workplay theater. Yes. Cabaret style. They were great. It was intimate and cool. Mm-hmm. Felt like people were sitting on the stage with us. Virtually. They practically were. Uh, So anyway, he's in Birmingham. Uh, I have a horrible uh, panic attacks, guys, and a panic disorder. There's just something about both of you, though, your demeanors and the tone of your voices that really calms me down in the car or at work, uh, which is where most of my panic attacks take place. Man. I know. I feel for it. I don't know if any other anxiety sufferers also experience your show in this way. Uh, A lot of time when I feel my anxiety rising, I pop in the headphones or plug you into my car stereo and calm myself down with some stuff you should know. Nice. Uh, your show has greatly impacted my life uh, and its relationship to anxiety. I love you guys. Love the show. I uh, always want to keep getting the word out about anxiety and taking away the stigma of mental illness. Uh, you guys do a great job. That is Jared, a humble fan. Jared wrote back today. said he was very happy that we were reading this. Good. And I'm glad that we can uh, calm you down a little bit, bud. For, for sure, Jared. Yeah, I hate to hear about your troubles. And uh, they're... Always going to be here for you every Tuesday and Thursday. Don't worry. Nice, Chuck. Yeah. Um, if you have a story like Jared's, if we've helped you in some way, shape, or form, we love hearing stuff like that. 
Uh, you can tweet it to us at SYSK Podcast or to me, Josh Um Clark. Uh, you can post it on Facebook, Charles W. Chuck Bryant, or Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can put it in an email, Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.